Welcome to Tales of Known Admissions Past. I'm your host, Christopher Struble. And joining us again today to share some more stories is author, historian, and seeker of the unusual, Todd Clements. Todd also owns Haunts of Mackinac. So in our last episode, Todd, you shared some great stories with us. I'm looking forward to hearing some more. One place I didn't have a chance to ask you about was Stonecliff. You got any stories about Stonecliff? We do have some stories from Stonecliff. Few eyewitness accounts, few stories have been passed down from, from generation to generation. It's an interesting place, no doubt about it. Uh, it's, it's an old, basically, manor house cottage that was owned by, uh, it's the Katahe, but I know I'm saying it probably wrong. But uh, the Stonecliff was, in a nutshell, the Stonecliff mansion slash cottage was uh, originally built by the family who had armor hot dogs. That was part of their family fortune was the Stonecliff Mansion, which was a summer residence. And if you've ever seen it, you'll be surprised it was just a summer cottage. The place is like 12,000 square feet. It's huge. It's just a gigantic manor out in the middle of the woods on Mackinac. Yeah, I've actually stayed there, and the master suite is the one that's supposed to be the most haunted. Stories of a suicide up there, different stories I couldn't quite corroborate, but I've stayed in that master suite in a couple of years, actually, uh, prior to ever finding out that that's supposed to be one of the hot spots in, in, the, in the manor. That's a, a beautiful building. Mm-hmm. It's been under a massive renovation this year also. It's, it's such a great place to, to stay up there, though. It's uh, kind of off the beaten path. It takes a while to get back and forth to town, but uh, there's definitely a, a spooky factor when you're walking around in there. And you're, I was the only person staying there uh, that night and uh, had the whole, the whole end to myself. <laughs> One of the places that's always fascinated me, and I, I have a friend uh, here in, in Petoskey, uh, and she grew up on the island, and her grandmother actually was, was raised within the fort. Uh, she, she, they lived in the hospital at the fort. This is going back you know, quite a ways, 60, 70 years ago. Right. And they were caretakers for the fort. But you've got to have a couple of cool stories there. The, the oldest buildings in Michigan, the officer's stone quarters, and then the guardhouse there, you know, going back to the 1700s, I've just always been fascinated by the fort. Yeah, we've investigated at the fort. I mean, it's very rare that you get a chance to do it. Occasionally, you'll get a group that's doing something and they want to walk around in the fort at night, and sometimes we can tag along. The fort is one of the most amazing paranormal experiences I've had. Definitely was at the fort. In the fort, there's a building called the Hill Quarters, and it's basically an officer's quarters. There was a family with two kids that lived in the house that was the Cowles family. And they had two children that didn't make it. They passed away and they've got two bedrooms in the house that are dedicated and decorated for these two small children. And we were doing an investigation and one of the times we were able to do it. The first place I wanted to go was the Hill Quarters because it has a lot of stories behind it. There's a lot of ghost stories and, and the kids toys supposedly move around in their rooms and they're inaccessible. They're sealed off by plexiglass so nobody can get in there and things move. So we're in this building on the second floor, myself and another investigator. And we're just setting up doing a standard EVP session recorders out, seeing if we get anything. Asking our questions, is there anyone here? Can you let us know you're here? Those types of questions. And I'm sitting across from the other investigator She's sitting four, four feet away from me. And all of a sudden, I notice her hair. She had longer hair. Her hair is going up in the air. And 
it's not just a hair. It's like somebody pinched a bunch of strands of hair and we're lifting it up straight above her head. And I'm watching this and she's like, what is it? A spider? She thought she had some sort of a spider or something crawling on her because she was feeling her hair being moved. And she, and she freaks out and she's just like, she goes, she, as she's going to put her hands up to, to, to smack her head or get her hair down, it just dropped. The whole clump of hair just dropped as soon as she started putting her hands up. And she's like, what is this spider? She's smacking around looking for cobwebs. And I'm like, it wasn't a spider. And your hair just literally, like someone grabbed your hair and lifted it over your head. She's freaking out. She's excited because we had something unusual happen, something we couldn't explain. But she she was freaking out. She thought she had a spider. And she was at first, she was convinced it was still a spider. But after a bit, she was like, yeah, that's not a spider. And there was no spiders. There was nothing to do it. It was in October. And most of the spiders are gone by that time. And we didn't see any when we were in there. So we're sitting there and we're saying, did you do that? And thing for EVP and we get a young voice. It's very faint, but it's a young voice and it says it was me. No, oh, man. <laughs> like, like it, it was me. And we're like, Oh, so we got two things. We got something lifting your hair up. And then we asked who did it. And we get a young child's voice that says it was me. So the hill quarters was, that was awesome. And that we weren't even in there 20, 15, 20 minutes when all this happened. And we were just like, wow. And we only had a limited time to investigate. I think on that, that trip, we had like an hour and a half to investigate parts of the fort. And that was the first place we went. Uh, we've investigated other places. There's men's restroom. There was a uh, soldier shot another soldier in the men's restroom. It used to be the mess hall. Now it's the men's bathroom. Yep, I know that story. And, uh, yep, uh, Corporal Flynn and, and Private Brown. Private Brown shot Corporal Flynn in the throat, killed him pretty much instantly, and he claimed it was an accident. Everybody said he murdered him because they didn't like each other, and there was an argument, and they weren't getting along. And he claimed the gun went off on its own, which is entirely possible, the guns they used at the time. The flintlock-style rifle, if you had static electricity and you touched anything metal near that gunpowder, uh, it could ignite it, and it, it could go off. And he says that's what happened, but the, the powers that be never believed him, and they hung him and for killing an officer. They hung him on the island. And his ghost supposedly haunts the rifle range. The rifle, too? Um, yeah, uh, not the rifle. Rifle, the rifle range? range where they used to do target, target practice. That's where they, no one knows, there was never documentation on where the gallows were built. Some say it was in the middle of town some say it was on the parade grounds in the fort some say it was behind the fort some said it was a rifle range i've heard a lot of different stories and i was looking at uh, military history of where executions were typically held with court marshals and it was not typically it was almost never on like city property it was always some sort of military property and so I, that, that made me go, okay, this is, this is not happening in the town square for as a, like a show for everyone to see. So it came down to parade grounds and the rifle range, because I don't think they did it behind the fort. So a lot of, and the rifle range is kind of behind the fort, but it's off a little bit in the distance. I think it was the rifle range somewhere near the base of the rifle range, but it, it could have been the parade grounds. There's, like I say, there's no documentation, but he was hung there and a Native American man was hung there. There were two executions on the island by hanging from the same gallows. The least two that you know of. 
the two that we know of. Yeah, there's two documented. Yeah, I've had some cool experiences. Uh, just, just n- nothing paranormal, but just being up there on New Year's. Uh, that's kind of a tradition. Anytime I get a chance to spend New Year's on the island, and uh, I always try to get get into the fort. I like being in his- historic places on on the New Year's. So I've had some pretty cool times in the fort where we're the only people there, and if you feel like you have the whole island to yourself, actually, around uh, around the first and second of January. When you and I talked on the phone the other day, I told you about my story. A friend of mine, the same same person who had an experience in the Han house, other than, than my experience too, her and her mother were in the Han house, and they, they'd known this house. They'd known the owners for years and years and years, and they were up doing some work. The, the owner had passed away, and they were upstairs, yep. and they heard a lot of activity downstairs, and they, they raced down there expecting to find somebody, and, and they get one of those stories where there was nobody there, one of the classic Nobody there. <laughs> And then, you know, she told me the, the most substantial story that had ever happened to her on the island was just recently. Let's go back maybe five, six years now. And uh, she was working uh, for another family there, just just helping out. They owned a, a shop downtown, and they trusted her. And, and she sees the taxi pull into town, and everybody's kind of hysterical. Like, she she noticed right away something's not right. This is mid-afternoon, high season, and people are just scattering from the taxi. When they came back with her luggage, she figured, you know, something was was surely going on. So she started asking these people that she had recognized from the, you know, from their their exodus, their quick exodus from the taxi. Now they're getting ready, wait, waiting for the for the boat to come in. Ferry, what what happened? What's going on? And they all had the same story. They're coming back from British Landing, and they see a girl walking down the path, and they figured she had gotten lost from her family. You know, it's getting middle of the afternoon, so they pull up next to her, and she turns around, and from what I'm told, there was no eyes. They obviously knew that it was not a <laughs> humanly figure, and everybody kind of right. gasped and. They're freaked out. Well, those horses only go so fast. And they're trying to make their way back into town. The, the, the taxi driver, you know, trying to get the horses to go, you know, not as fast as possible, but, like, comfortably. as. And the girl's walking right next. The whole, th- about 17 minutes, this, this was a pretty extended uh, experience for the, the people on the on the taxi that day. It freaked them out. I mean, that was it. The, I, the, from what I'm told, the taxi driver actually quit. Do you have any stories coming back from the central part of the island? or Yeah, the- yeah. There is, there's stories. From somewhere near Stonecliff, uh, there was a taxi driver, and he was heading towards Stonecliff, and he looks in the mirror of his taxi, and he sees a woman. He's, he's empty. He's going to do a pickup at Stonecliff. He's going out there empty. And he looks in the rearview mirror of the taxi, and he sees a woman sitting in the taxi in the back in Victorian clothes, and he looks, he sees her, and then he turns around to see her, like, without the mirror with his own eyes and she's not there but he said there's no way that was a mistake she was sitting there i can describe her she was 100 percent. i thought she was a real person and she had jumped on the taxi and i didn't notice and he turns around she's not there there's nobody around anywhere nobody running through the woods or running away from the taxi in full victorian clothes there was nobody around, and he was like, "Yeah." You, when you hear the, when you heard the story from him, you could see it in his eyes. He did definitely. He saw this. This this happened to him. There's also been stories of soldiers hitching rides on taxis. It's usually away from town, out in the woods, but people will see a soldier on a taxi occasionally. It's usually an empty cab. It's not usually full of of tourists or anything. And if the tourists see it, there there's a ghost in the woods. It's not on the cab. So they're just hitchhiking ghosts. Ha ha. I know the Haunted Mansion Disney has hitchhiking ghosts, but 
Mackinac tends to, I guess, have our own hitchhiking ghosts on taxi cabs. Yeah, they're not paying that fare either, right? Yeah, they're not paying for it, man. <laughs> um, what's what's the, what's your favorite part of the island? Is there do you have a special place that's kind of like um, one, of, um, one of your favorite? Just and it doesn't have to necessarily be paranormal, I but mean, just uh, my favorite place to go, and I don't do it often because it's a hike and it's dark. Is when there's like a full moon or a really bright moon, Arch Rock at night at the top of arch rock when the moon's shining down on the lake and arch rock is all lit up by moonlight awesome place to see at night but you have to go when it's clear skies obviously the moon has to be bright and you just get the glimmer and the shimmering off the water and the light of the rock it's it's really beautiful that is one of my favorite places at night Mm -hmm. i have a lot of favorite places but that's one of them do you spend a lot of time hiking the woods yep It's funny because when everybody was on lockdown, I started doing hiking (laughs) and I started hiking and then I started hiking more on the island. I I don't live on the island in the winter. Uh, It's it's pretty isolated and I have my family downstate and we all obviously home. We call Mackinac as a home, but we have home home, which is where we actually are from and where we live most of the time. And my home home is down in Metro Detroit. And I started hiking. We did uh, some of the Appalachian Trail with my family. We did, uh, we've done a whole lot of different spots. I want to do the whole thing. I don't know if I have what it takes to do the whole thing or the time to do it. But uh, I love to hike on the island because the funny thing about the island is there are things on the island, if you hike and you're really willing to go off into the woods, you're going to see things that tourists don't know about. There is another arch. It's not as big. Arch Rock. It's more of a collapsed cave where the front of the cave is still open. That's out near, sort of near British Landing. There's a swamp. It's called um, Krogan's Water. It's a swamp area. It's up past that area, and you can't see it from a trail. We came across it by accident because we were hiking through the raw woods, not trails. And we're like, you can see through. That's a cave. That's a cave that doesn't have another side. It's open on the other side. You can see light through it. And, yeah, it was an arch. It was an open arch out in the middle of the woods on the side of a big hill. And there's that. There's um, there's supposedly a still from Prohibition buried in a cave somewhere in that area. That's what we were kind of looking for. We were trying to find an area that looked like a cave that could have been filled in that had a still, still in it from Prohibition. But we haven't found that yet. <laughs> Hey, uh, there was a there was a super cool article of on, online uh, just a couple months ago about all the different tourist attractions that are now gone, and 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 a couple of those are oh, yeah. collapsed limestone formations that that were a danger at that time, and and, uh, and uh, they kind some of... were a danger, some they did so they could put the road in around the island for for riding bikes and walking, because before that road was there, it was pretty raw pass, and some of them were impassable. To get around the island, you would you wouldn't be able to ride your bike like you are today. And uh, one of the things that was in the way was Ferry Arch and Giant Staircase, which is near Mission Point, just past Mission Point, in between Mission Point and Arch Rock. There was it looked like a staircase that was made for giants, and there's like three foot to four foot high shelves that went up like a stairway. And at the top was Ferry's Arch, which is much smaller than our truck. It wasn't very big. You could walk through it, but it, it wasn't big. It was maybe five to six feet high, 
and it arched over on the edge towards the lake. But it was it was small. That was Ferry's Arch. Uh, those were both taken out. I've heard because they weren't safe was one reason I've heard. I've also heard it was because of progress. And they needed to get it out of the way so they could put the road around the island. And it was gone. And I've actually seen uh, there's a small cave near the water filtration plant. If you walk around, you can't see it from the road. But if you know where it is, you know you you know where it is. You have to kind of go with someone who knows where it is. You go up to this entrance. It's a very small cave. It's not big. But on the wall right next to the entrance to the cave is a dynamite hole drilled into the limestone hmm. from when they blew it up. Because they didn't use all the holes and blow up everything. So they drilled holes everywhere to put sticks of dynamite in. And there's still a dynamite hole next to this cave entrance. Cool little piece of history there. Yeah. Like I say, you hike on that island, you find things. Uh, those were some of the questions I had, too, were just to know about uh, some of the the interesting points of Mackinac that, you know, not, not necessarily paranormal, but it's just got such great history up there. I, I know. There's just, there's tons of things to find on that island. But you just get a good pair of hiking boots. I see just a walking stick. There's a lot of crevices under the dead leaves, and you don't want to break an ankle. There's just different, there's cracks in the island. There's a small caves littering the island. There's some caves that are, are we've heard about, but we still haven't found, uh, that are obviously we know why they're in the tourist guides because one of them is supposedly deep enough that if you were to fall into this cave you might not be able to get out of it and no one would hear you yelling for help and your cell phone would die because you're buried in limestone you're down in a hole i've been in areas there's one area we think one of those caves is we found a few small caves in that area but your cell phone signal is on one bar if you're lucky so just imagine if you went into a cave, it's over. You don't have a phone. No, I'm claustrophobic. I'll stay away from those areas there. Yeah. <laughs> Around Fort Holmes and, and uh, Fort Holmes and Monroe, right? Different different names depending on who held that property. Um, are those the two? Right. Um, there's a there's a story about the uh, the soldiers up there. Have you ever ever heard any any accounts of that? Yes, uh, I've talked to several people who've seen soldiers up there that ghost. They look like. Real soldiers, they said they look like real uniformed people. But if you got closer to them, they disappeared. They just, in the thin air, vanished. Uh, they've said they've heard them talking, but they couldn't make out any of the words they were saying. There's three of them. One is, they said, is, is kind of short, and two of them are taller. And they're always together. And they're usually within, like, the well, it's mounds of dirt now. But uh, they're always within those mounds in where Fort Holmes is. It used to be Fort George when the British had it. These soldiers just once in a while, it's pretty rare, they're not seen very often, will be roaming around inside those walls. We don't know who they are. We're assuming they're obviously American or British soldiers. No one's been very clear as to the uniform, so we couldn't be sure whether they're British or American. And uh, we did get an EVP, though, one time on an investigation of that fort that was not in English. And we didn't know what it was until we had someone translate it. It was, uh, we're sitting in the fort. This is before they rebuilt all the structures. It was just basically a big empty field in a mound of dirt with a gate. We're sitting in a corner. We're trying to see if we can get anything from anyone any activity of anything and we had a guy who's sort of a native american shaman he's passed away since since this happened but 
So he has a satchel around his, his neck, a little sachet. And it's got like herbs and things. It's a Native American like peace offer, offering type thing. It means he, he means no harm, basically, is why he wears it. And he takes it off and puts it down next to the audio recorder. When he does this, not long after, we get a response, and it wasn't any of us, and it says, me quatch. And we're like, what is that? And we're like, because nobody said it, but we didn't understand what me quatch was. Well, he, when we played it back later that day for him, he goes, oh, that's Jibwa, and it means thank you, gratitude, right? Like, I appreciate that. And we're assuming that has something to do with him putting that little satchel down. And it's, it's we got an EVP in Ojibwa saying thank you as a peace offering, because we were giving him a peace offering. That's the only time I've ever got an EVP of another language on the island. Yeah, that's got to be an anomaly. English. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I can't, I can't thank you enough for joining us. Um, Todd, uh, Haunts of, of Mackinac, uh, I can't encourage people enough to go uh, and, and join next year. Probably not enough time this year, but join one of your tours next year. They can find you online how? Uh, we're at Haunts of Mackinac with a C, Mackinac with a C, dot com, hauntsofmackinac.com. Uh, we work with the Island Bookstore, and we have the website. And next year we're going to be... We're looking at a, a piece of property. We're going to have our ticket booth back this year because everything changed on the island. We want them going full virtual, and we work with the bookstore to sell tickets. We start the tour at the bookstore this year. It may change next year, but we'll make sure we let everybody know if anything changes like that. A special thanks to Todd Clements, historian, author, seeker of the unusual, and owner of Haunts of Mackinac. I'm Christopher Struble, and I've been your host at Tales of Northern Michigan's Past. <laughs>